and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a jam-packed show. We're going to go through some bowl games. We have a bowl game to recap of a future Big Ten team, and we've also got a few bowl <laughs> games to preview as well. We're also going to be talking about USC, some of the players that they lost lately, what's going on with Lincoln Riley. Are they going to be transferring into the Big Ten very well? It's going to be interesting to talk about. And, of course, we got the big news that we'll start off with, which is Dylan Riola to Nebraska. What does this mean? You've probably heard plenty of Nebraska fans talk about it, their excitement, but from two guys, actually three guys of different Big Ten uh, f- uh, schools that we're fans of, Ohio State and Penn State, what are, our, what are our thoughts about Nebraska? Are we scared of them? Is Matt Rule doing a good job? We'll share all of those things, but before we get into that, I want to introduce these guys and let you know where they're from, where you can find them at. First one is Alec from the Booze, Bets, and Ball podcast. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Alec, and tell people where they can find you at. Yeah, so uh, our podcast, uh, if you're looking for it on Twitter, just to see our links and some of the news we're posting, it's uh, 3B Pod PSU, and then on any podcast platform, it's going to come up as Booze, Bets, and Ball, a Penn State football podcast. Uh, you can plug that in, you know, YouTube too, it'll come up. So uh, that's where you can find us. Good stuff. Thanks, Alex. Zach, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, I'm Zach Guggenheim with Big Ten Football Talk, uh, the podcast you can find on Apple, Google, Spotify, under that handle, Big Ten Football Talk. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube as well. We post Mondays and Thursdays, 7 a.m. is when we go live, but you can find it anywhere where you get podcasts. I give credit to you, Zach, for going solo on YouTube. I've tried it. I, I am not <laughs> good at it. <laughs> I need somebody else to talk to. I'm like, ah, this isn't for me. <laughs> well, that's why I'm starting. I'm starting to branch out. I'm like, yeah. man, I, I I need help. So, Jr., you might be uh, you might be getting some more messages from me later yeah, this year yeah. I'll come, <laughs> or next I'll year. Come, yeah, I'll come over and help you out when you need me to. Just let me know, so. All right, uh, before we do get started, remind you of Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. Our podcast, Alex Podcasts, are a part of the Big Banter Sports Media Network for all your Big Ten media needs. Also, please do like and subscribe to this video if you're watching on YouTube. Helps us out, helps spread the, the content, helps spread the, uh, the, the channel, all those things. And ultimately, as the Big Ten media grows, Big Ten grows in general. So help us out there. If you're listening on podcasts, give us a rating. Let us know what you think about the podcast. We appreciate Appreciate that. All right, guys, let's get into it. Our first order of business, Dylan Riola commits to Nebraska. So at one time, he was the number one recruit in the nation uh, by many services. Right now, Jeremiah Smith is the number one player over, I think, every service, um, but at least he's a consensus. So he's the number one player, but Dylan Riola is still thought of as a very, very good player. Number two in the 24-7 composite rankings. Uh, this is a huge get for Nebraska, for Matt Rule to go into Georgia and to swipe him away from Kirby Smart, the two-time defending national champion. It's huge business for them, huge business for Dylan and his family because obviously he has roots there. I think it's his uncle is the offensive line coach. Um, Alec, why don't you start us off? What are some of your thoughts about this? Should Nebraska fans be excited? Uh, What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, I think they should be excited. Uh, This was... This is one of, I think, like the most interesting recruitments to follow in a while. Uh, when he committed to Ohio State, look, you get it, the way Ryan Day has done with quarterbacks, where they put up points. And then when he backed off of that, I thought that was Nebraska, like right then and there, because it made a lot of sense. Uh, 
I think Georgia came in, obviously a lot of NIL money, a lot to offer with the two national championships and all that. So that also made sense then once, once you looked at it that way and I kind of got off the Nebraska and then when he transferred to that Buford school down in Georgia and pretty much, I think Kirby smart was like, Hey, you got to like recruit some of these guys to, you know, come play at Georgia with us. Cause I know that's a loaded uh, school down there. So for, him to flip after that moving down to Georgia pretty much, you know, I know Beck was coming back next year, but after that, there wasn't a lot of competition left in that room. That was a little surprising, I guess, but you know, this was Nebraska's number one guy, obviously the family connections and they should be very excited because when you land a dynamic quarterback, I think this early in a rebuild, it's a really good sign. Usually, you know, for Penn state, that was, kind of the last thing to happen, you know, Drew Aller, they finally hit on the five-star quarterback. It took them eight years of having to build up at other positions to lure a guy like that in. So for th- for Matt Rule to do it this quick, I think it's really impressive. I think it's going to rejuvenate that fan base. And with how crazy that fan base is, I think that's going to send their NIL collectives through the roof. And Rayola actually is going to be surrounded by a decent amount of talent, probably by the time he's a sophomore there. Yeah, for sure. And I think the big thing is, like you said, it's going to bring in receivers as well. A lot of talent can come in. I think it's the 1890 Society, I heard Matt Rule say, over there. So uh, big stuff going on. And I know NIL is really buzzing over there. I don't know how it can't be when you have a guy like Dylan (laughs) Riola commit, right? Everybody's going to be excited about that. But uh, Zach, what are some of your thoughts on this commitment from a very, very good recruit? Yeah, I think... I really agree with a lot of what you're saying, Alec. I I think there should be some cautious optimism for the player because Mm -hmm. he's already flipped twice. So, you know, he could be their sophomore year or he could be out for greener pastures afterwards. Um, And and I, I, I say that loosely greener pastures. I mean, more money. I, where I think this really helps Nebraska is this is their first elite prospect maybe since they've joined the big 10, maybe beyond that. And, you know, we saw it with Colorado. I know Colorado had a bad season this year after the first few weeks, but they're still getting a lot of buzz, which means you get more highly touted guys. And that's what you need for a rebuild, right? Colorado was in the dumps. And so everybody's saying 10 wins for Colorado. It's like, well, but they, they quadrupled their win total from a year ago. And now there's there's more momentum. They just got Jordan Seaton, who's a big-time offensive tackle. I think you're going to see a similar thing. And I think Matt Rule is more grounded. And, and that it lays a foundation for Nebraska that even if Rayola, if Rayola stays, that's huge, right? It, it's the centerpiece of your team. He's the figurehead for the, for the next three years uh, for the Cornhuskers. But even if he isn't, you've all of a sudden gotten lightning in a bottle from a recruiting standpoint because it tells every every elite prospect, Nebraska is now a place to go. It's now a place that we can be relevant. It's a place that we can win. And that's huge, especially for Rule as, as his reputation of a program builder. I think that that's massive, especially, I think the, the, the last piece of this, a lot of the best Big Ten teams next year they are losing a ton of talent. You look at Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, which we're going to talk about later in the show. Like Nebraska now all of a sudden has an opportunity to get to that that mid to upper tier where the upper teams, they're losing a ton of talent in the next few years. So I, I think for Nebraska, you're excited 
maybe not as much about the player. I'm sure people are pumped about the player, but I think what it says to the rest of the college football world that, Hey, we're a place now that elite prospects can come to. Yeah, for sure. And that was going to be like my next question to talk about here, <clears throat> you know, as Matt rule makes this rebuild, because that's what he's been known for, right? He did it at temple. He did it at Baylor. Everybody's expecting that to happen at Nebraska. Now, um, you know, are we going to look back you know, five years from now and say this was the moment. This was when Nebraska became relevant again. They started contending not just for Big Ten titles, but in an 18-team Big Ten uh, that is substantially more difficult than when Nebraska was in the West. Uh, you know, now you have Oregon, USC, UCLA, Washington in there. Um, you know, for for Nebraska and Matt Rule, are, are their fans, Zach, and you can answer this first, are their fans going to be looking back five years from now and say, Matt Rule, he saved the program, he rebuilt it, and we are one of the upper echelon of not just the Big Ten, but college football? I, I, think, I think if Matt Rule doesn't do it, I don't know if Nebraska will ever get back to that upper echelon. I'll put it that way. Because you look at what he's done, you, know, you mentioned Temple and Baylor, you don't get big-time recruits there. Mm-hmm. You don't have the the fan base. You don't have the NIL collectives that that Nebraska can have because you you just have a lot of support. The biggest problem with Nebraska is where it's located, mm-hmm. the recruiting base. But if you can start saying if you can start recruiting nationally, which I think they can do, right? You have California now linked into the Big Ten. You have the East Coast and you have the Midwest all linked into the Big Ten. And you have the money that you can you can give to these recruits. I absolutely think Matt rules the guy because he's not even getting the flashy recruits. He's not going to build this the wrong way. He's going to build it with a strong foundation, with culture, and then he's going to supplement it with the Dylan Rayolas and the the other elite prospects. And so I I think he is the right guy. I think the one the one thing that really stands in his way, and I think it's the one thing that stands in all these. Big Ten schools way is the fact that the Big Ten is now much more loaded from a mid to top part of the conference than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. And so that'll that's something to be seen is how is this going to work out now that you have four mid to upper mid to elite programs coming into your program from the West Coast. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's a huge piece of it and something that, you know, current contender teams like Penn State will be worried about. I mean, uh, Alec, I mean, in Ohio State, Michigan, all of them, you'd be worried about that happening. Um, Alec, are you, I don't want to say concerned or scared, that sounds wrong, but, um, you know, thinking about Nebraska, are you thinking about them and saying, man, they're going to be in contention for the Big Ten and, and, you know, might be up near where we are because I would say Penn State's in the upper echelon pretty regular top 10, at least top 15 team. Are you concerned about Nebraska coming up there and really joining the ranks? Uh, I don't know right away just because of, you know, how hard it, the Big Ten is going to be going forward. I think maybe, yeah, four or five years down the line, that's definitely possible. I think if this was three years ago where those Pac-12 teams aren't in the picture uh, and Penn State and Michigan are both kind of, you know, in a little bit of a slump where they were coming off of the COVID year, I, I think they would have a quicker, you know, chance to ascend uh, and really get up into the picture. I just think now that Michigan is really humming, you know, Ohio State is the number two recruiting class. 
Penn State's got him back to where they were pre-pandemic year, and now you bring in these four Pac-12 teams, which you know, two of them in Oregon and Washington, I'm not sure their stock's ever been higher. I, I think it's a little difficult now. And, you know, having a crew against all these teams will still be difficult right away. But I, I, I think maybe four or five years from now, maybe, you know, it's Rayola a little later on in his career, a junior, if he sticks around for a senior season, that they could do some damage. But I not right now. It's a threat. I'm pretty sure they come I think they come up to Penn State next in 2025. So I think that would be a, a challenging game with Rayola as a, a sophomore. But uh, I, I don't think they're totally like it'll be that quick of a switch just with the amount of teams you have that are at that top 15 level already in the conference. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to take time. I don't think that Matt Rule is trying to, you know, flip it like uh Dion Sanders is and stuff you know mm-hmm. um and Matt Rule he, he made a really good point when he was on um what's that show the Pat McAfee show uh, mm-hmm. on ESPN where he was talking about it. he was like listen guys when these guys come in you know look at some of these guys who were hired even Dion Sanders they're bringing half their team with them you know they're bringing in players that they already developed and and they already worked with he said you know before i got hired at nebraska he said i had a long talk with the boosters about expectations and understanding that like hey i'm not one of these guys that i'm going to have an entire college team to you know basically recruit from in the portal he said you know i'm going to have to do it the old traditional way and i'm going to have to go out and find some guys in the portal that you know maybe i don't know as well but we're going to try and scout as best as we possibly can he's but basically said, I'm not going to be Lincoln Riley. I'm not taking a Heisman winner with me, you know, to my next my next stop. So it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, so I definitely think Matt Rule can find Nebraska there at some point. But I think the biggest goal is don't let Dylan Riola turn into Dante mm-hmm. Moore this year. Yep. You know, yep. keep yep. him That's around. Yeah, keep him around. Let him lead the team and really impact those guys. Uh, because, you know, I know Nebraska fans don't want to think about it, but, you know, he does have a tendency to be moving around. Um, so don't let that happen. So any other final thoughts on that, guys? I was just going to say one thing to note, if you look at Nebraska's schedule next year, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Alec. I don't think upper echelon, but if the schedule hits right, and if you look at next year, their first six, seven games, UTEP, Colorado, Northern Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana. Yeah. They could be going 7-0 and into uh, Columbus. Uh, they could be, it could be similar to 2016 where they're ranked in the top 10 and then they, they get beat down. Um, but this, this schedule sets up very well for them, at least in the early going of next year. Don't uh don't discount Kirk Signetti there, Zach. He, I'm just saying. His best. I'm just. I do like Kurt Signetti. That's that's not All a right. shot, but I'm just saying that the schedule sets up well. Don't don't discount Brett Bielema, by the way, at Illinois. Oh either, yeah, Illinois fans will come for you if you do that. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. true. They <laughs> weekly. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I, I, I'm excited for the new Big Ten. Not only are we, are we having some good teams join, but I like the hires that some of these teams have been making. Uh, Indiana made a good hire with Kurt Sinetti. I think uh, Jonathan Smith is a very good hire for Michigan State. So, mm-hmm. uh, the overall conference is, 
uh, increasing as a whole, and I don't think Nebraska will be left behind, so that's good news for them. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to USC. USC has a mass portal exodus, so I'm going to go through some of the guys here that I feel like are notable. I think they've had seven guys enter in the past week, ever since December 12th, Um, so you know, that's kind of kind of a lot to be entering at one time. Uh, a lot of defensive players, but Corey Foreman, uh, an edge player who was second nationally in the 2021 class, he was a 12th all-time best recruit. Um, so really, really good player. Dealt with injuries last year, but really could never see consistent field time even before that. Uh, Damani Jackson, cornerback, he was their starting corner. I think he was a sophomore last year. Uh, he was the fifth nationally five-star. Tackett Curtis, linebacker, uh, just right outside the top 100. He was a starting linebacker for him. Uh, Malachi Nelson, huge one, 12th nationally in last year's class. A couple offensive linemen. Uh, I think one of their starting tackles, Tarkin. Um, Relique Brown, he was a highly rated running back recruit. Never really did anything for USC. Almost turned into a wide receiver, but I don't think he had quite the uh, chops to do that. And then big name, Mario Williams. Mario Williams is in the portal. Uh, he wasn't exactly the biggest recruit ever, but he's definitely turned into a very good receiver now. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely a mass portal exodus for the Trojans. Zach, I want to get your take on it. Um, how worried should USC fans be? of losing all these defensive players and a very highly rated young QB. Just a clarification. We're sure that the defensive players didn't go into the transfer portal before the season because it sure seemed like that with the way they played defense. So, sorry, I just had to... Good one. They they should be extremely worried. Yeah. Like, extremely worried. I, momentum's completely gone. Um, you know, the college football nerds, they're, they're a great follow on Twitter, but they made the point that Lincoln Riley came in with all this pop and pomp and circumstance. He brought his quarterback over from Oklahoma and there was a lot of hype. They lost the PAC 12 championship in 2022 and they're seven and five in 2023. They've been terrible, quite honestly. And you're That's losing yeah. the core of your like the core of your of your foundation to the portal and you have no quarterback to save you now right like Malachi Nelson is he's in the portal i don't know if you have any defenders left like quite honestly i i don't know who's on their defense um so i and now you've got to go into a conference where you have a tough schedule and teams that actually play defense. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, their non-conference is not forgiving. It's LSU and Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we sure they make a bowl game next year? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely a, a tough situation. Alex or not Alex, uh, Lincoln Riley, not Alex Grinch. Uh, Lincoln <laughs> Riley is definitely going to have to pull, you know, something out of his rabbit hat. in this one, I do like the defensive coordinator higher than yeah. they made. They brought in the UCLA guy, I forget what his name is, but, uh, he had a very good defense this last year. The year before that he was good as well. So, um, you know, I think he was a very good hire for them, but still, I mean, mm. a coach is only as good as his players. Uh, and when you're losing some top rated five-star, 
stars like this that you would really have uh, leading the defense. That's that, that's concerning to me if I'm a USC fan. Uh, Alec, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I saw some things that maybe the new DC was cleaning house a little bit. Uh, obviously, these are a lot of highly rated guys. So to, to kind of clearing those guys out, uh, you know, maybe it was some off the field stuff that would lead them to that decision if that was the case. But I, I do think it is alarming to see that many high quality recruits on the side of the ball that you do struggle on leave. Uh, it probably means it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Obviously, USC has uh, a lot of NIL they could probably work with to patch this up quickly through the portal if they really wanted to, which I'm sure they will try to do. But yeah, I, I do think next year's probably going to be tough sledding with them. I'm, I'm not really sure how Will Howard fits with Lincoln Riley uh, as the new quarterback there. I, I thought that was a little bit of a weird, a weird one, but uh, uh, you know, Kansas, the middle of Kansas and LA, same thing, I guess too. So that was a, that's just, that, that is one of the starkest differences I've ever seen for a, a transfer. Uh, right. <laughs> pretty, pretty good one. Um, but yeah, next, next year, I, I, I think they might be in a little bit of trouble. And then I think Lincoln Riley's seat maybe gets a little hot and, Either it goes into put up or shut up mode for him, and you know dealing with defenses like Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. At you know if Wisconsin can get back to what they were a few years ago, you know then you're kind of in some trouble. I mean they already know that Oregon and Washington can play a little bit of defense when needed too. So you know it's not it's not gonna be as easy as the Pac-12 was obviously, and you know. There's you're not gonna find many quarterbacks also that are gonna put you in a better spot than someone like Caleb Williams would, where you know he's been talked about as the best uh, quarterback prospect since Andrew Locke. You know, like those guys are once in a decade type guys. So I I think they might be in some serious trouble here. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that you know Lincoln Riley might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, you know, because I tweeted out uh, that I heard from somebody that the boosters at USC are are really cracking down on Lincoln Riley, saying, you know, look, we don't want another seven and five season. Uh, we we don't want to be questionable with bowl eligibility. That's not what USC is. And quite frankly, uh, the other thing I heard them say is that's not what we're paying you for. Uh, mm-hmm. They paid a lot of money for Lincoln Riley, and they're paying a lot of money for uh, a lot of these recruits and and they went after Cam Ward hard. Um I know there weren't a yep. ton of reports about it but they went after him and they didn't get him. And it looks like Cam Ward might be going to Miami uh instead or possibly Florida State somewhere uh in the ACC like that but um you know the the the, the boosters are not happy right now and they want to see some wins. Uh, now of course there is some smoke about DJ Lagway might switch his you know, commitment on signing day tomorrow. So uh, that's going to be interesting. I think that will kind of put some, some pieces together if we see that happen of why Malachi Nelson left. But, um, but from everything I'm hearing, you know, USC is a little bit concerned and, and I don't know if Will Howard really uh, aids those concerns or helps them at all. What do you think, Alec, if you were a USC fan, would Will Howard do it for you at all? I coming from Caleb Williams, I don't think that moves the needle at all. It might it might be a safe, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's not a bad player at all. He, he might be a safer bet to get you, you know, eight or nine wins. It, it, but I don't think he's that dynamic guy that's going to break you through to the playoff when you couldn't do it with Caleb Williams. I think maybe he's a better alternative to a true freshman, you know, coming in there and trying to start with this team. But I I 
don't think he's also the game breaker. I think he's somewhere in the middle that, you know, keep you afloat, but it's not going to take you anywhere. I, I I'm right there with you, Zach. What do you think about Will Howard? I, I just think of the schedule and I'm like, what Caleb Williams was able to do was mask a lot of deficiencies because of his mm-hmm. just insane play. And granted, he had a couple of really bad games. You know, the Notre Dame game comes to mind. But I mean, you you just just the schedule, they go to Michigan. They get Wisconsin at home, but it's year two of Coach Fickle. They go or they host Penn State, but I think Andy Kotelnicki is going to get that offense humming. I think that's a tough game. I think Penn State might be the favorite. You know, a lot has to happen going into 2024, but I think Penn State really could be the favorite of the conference. Uh, They go to Washington. They lose a lot. They get Nebraska at home, not a cakewalk. At Maryland, the way they've been recruiting might be tougher than you might think. UCLA, who just beat them by 18. Like, and then you've got LSU and Notre Dame. That's your schedule. Like Utah, Utah State might and Rutgers. Well, and even Rutgers, you know, Rutgers probably would not be able to beat USC, but like Rutgers isn't necessarily a, a pushover anymore either. Yeah. So like I look at that schedule and I'm like, wh- where are the automatic wins? Well, let's let's go through it really fast. LSU, obviously not an automatic win. Um, Utah State. Automatic win? Most likely, yeah. Yeah, sure. At Michigan? No. No. Uh, Wisconsin? No. Not automatic, no. Um, At Minnesota? Yeah. I mean, probably. They they lost Joe Rossi. Yeah. I think the boat's taken on water at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's Division II. He might be FCS. Um, I always get those two (laughs) mixed up. Penn State. No way, right, Alec? No way, give me win. I mean, <laughs> the only thing they have going for them is that would be Penn State's first experience traveling all the way out to California for a yeah. game in the middle of the season. So I'll give them like a little bit there, yeah. Yeah. But hey, they might they might be all for it. I I'm I'm there for a Los Angeles trip. Um <laughs> at Maryland. I, I normally I would say Maryland, sure, but at Maryland, man, I, I really think this travel is gonna Yeah, that's also really long travel for them too, yeah. 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 Um, Rutgers, Rutgers, I feel like is, and I'm not trying to disrespect Rutgers, but Rutgers has to travel pretty far over to Los Angeles yeah. for that one. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know, but Rutgers, uh, they also have a really good offensive line, so they can yeah, really take th- it to them. I think they'll make them work for it though. That would be a physical game. Yeah. You know, that Rutgers problems is more skill position type stuff than trenches. So, right. And they finally get an off week after the Utah state game, they get an off week. Um, after wa- at Washington, it's after this at Washington. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a long, long time without an off week. Uh, and then Nebraska, I don't think that's a for sure. At UCLA, I don't think that's a for sure. And then Notre Dame to end the year. So, what two on there? Yeah, we agreed on like sure? two locks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, two yeah. between Utah State. Minnesota and Rutgers, I think we could say yeah. maybe two. So yeah, two or three. Yeah. Yeah. So well, since we just talked about them next year, let's talk a little bit about what they have left this year. <laughs> USC faces number fifteen, Louisville, in their bowl game. I forget which one this is. I should have have that 
uh, up while I was looking. It is the Holiday Bowl. That's right. All these bowl games. I forget the names of them. Um, so Miller Moss will be making the start in this one because obviously Caleb Williams will not be playing. The uh, Pretty much everybody from Louisville is playing. Uh, linebacker, a couple guys on defense aren't playing because they're in the transfer portal. I've not heard of anybody opting out who's going to the draft or anything like that. Um, I, I know people are not the highest on Louisville because they didn't play the toughest schedule, but, uh, but Zach, we'll let you go first on this one. What are your thoughts on USC playing Louisville? I think Trojan fans aren't going to like what I have to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Trojan fans. It's nothing against you guys. Um, there's no, no Marshawn Lloyd top running back. Mm-hmm. No Brandon Rice, one of their better receivers, you know, bowl games to me are all about what's your momentum trajectory. Do you want to be there? You know, they have all these opt-outs. They've lost five out of six. They have no defense. And Louisville is, I think, better than people give them credit for. Like, they have a that top 20 defense in the country. You know, offensively, they're, they're good. They're not great, but they're good enough. And I think against a bad defense, I, like, I just think Louisville is going to be able to run all over them. Um I did see, and maybe there's conflicting reports on opt-outs. So I did see uh, that Thrash, their leading receiver, and Gerard Jordan are, I think, are opting out, which is their top receiver and their top back for Louisville. Okay. Um, but Isaac Garendo, uh, who I believe is a former Wisconsin back, uh, he's averaged six yards per carry. You know, he has over 600 yards. So, listen, I would have picked Louisville even if Caleb Williams was playing. Um. I just think the Cardinals are underrated and I think they have enough offense to exploit an undermanned Trojan unit. So I, I have 34, 24 Louisville. 34, 24. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I don't know if I'd pick Louisville. Caleb Williams was playing. I have to think about that a little bit more. But uh, there's just so many opt-outs and so many guys in the transfer portal for USC. It's hard to even see what this defense or part of this offense is going to look like as well. Um, Alec, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, between the opt-outs, the transfer portal, and Zach kind of alluded to this, but who who wants a game like this more at, at the end of the season like this? Uh, you know, I think USC would say their season was a failure uh, by most standards, and a lot of their guys might be checked out this year, as you can see by the portals and the opt-out, whereas Louisville, probably ecstatic with their season, making the ACC championship game, and once they want to finish this season on a high note, I just feel like they're going to want this game a lot more. Um, you know, maybe that's not the best reasoning, but I think when you look at, you have opt-outs on both sides and that stuff, I think kind of a mentality type stuff comes, can be a, you know, game break changer uh, in a situation like this. So I'll take Louisville score, I don't like 28, 21, something like that. I think the, maybe they don't cover the seven and a half is I'd rather maybe six and a half, but I, uh, I, I think that Louisville does get this one done because it's just, I, I think they're going to be more into being there, a little more motivated than USC. Yeah, I think uh, what you said there about the motivation is my key factor as well, Alec. I feel like, you know, with bowl games nowadays, it's like 95% motivation. You know, who's mm-hmm. motivated to come in and play and who wants to win um, and who is coaching their players to be that way. Um, I don't know if Lincoln Riley is coaching his players to be that way. I'm not knocking Lincoln Riley as a coach, but if what I've heard is true, that the boosters are looking at Lincoln and saying next year, and their focus is on next year, if I'm Lincoln Riley, 
I'm putting my focus on next year as well. I'm trying to get the roster ready uh, mm-hmm. to make that happen. Now, my only thing with USC that I could see having them win is if some of these younger guys who are playing or some of these guys who played last year and they're trying to prove to this new coaching staff, hey, give me a spot. I can play. I can make it happen. Um, you know, So if they just have somebody go in there and play really, really well and make it happen, I could see that possibly leading to a win for USC. But I still – I'm going to pick a bigger – score differential than you guys i'm picking 38 20 uh louisville in this one i think jeff brown wants it i think this team is stoked to be uh number 15 in the country and they don't they don't want to lose any more respect than they already have lost from their schedule uh so i think and i think louisville is a better team than than people give them credit for so all right let's move on to alex team Penn State and James Franklin and his brand new coaching. Well, I guess his brand new coaching staff won't be there yet, but his makeshift uh, coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, after, they'll be there. Uh, losing the offensive coordinator and losing the defensive coordinator, one by James Franklin's doing, one by the defense coordinator was just really, really good and went somewhere else, which props to Manny Diaz. He is an excellent defensive coordinator, and it was awesome to see him at Penn State while he was there. Uh, Alec, what are some of your thoughts on Penn State facing Ole Miss? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would have been a little worried about facing Ole Miss's offense with Manny Diaz, Chop Robinson, Johnny Dixon, and maybe Kalen King. Not sure if he's opting out yet, but the other two are uh, definites at this point. But now I think really concerned. I mean, they had three receivers go over 700 yards this year. Penn State would have been happy to have one of those guys. They had three of them. So, you know, that, that that's a little alarming. Uh I do think Penn State might be able to put up some points in in this game. They look I know Michigan State was really just down at the end of the season, probably wanted to get that game over with. But the way they put their guys in a position to succeed in that game was really nice to see. Uh, Drew Allen looked very comfortable, which he didn't at a lot of times throughout this season. He was just back there slinging it. So if they come into this game with that mentality, I think they could put up some points in. You know, in New Year's six games under Franklin before, they've put up 49, 53, 35, and 35. So, like, they, they put up points in New Year's six games under him before. So, I, I think they could put up some points. I just, for the first time this season, I worry about this defense getting stops. And for them to be four-point favorites, I'm actually a little surprised. They've they've only lost as favorites once since 2021, though, and that was the nine-overtime Illinois game. So I, I give them I give them that like if they're the favorite, they usually get the job done. So Vegas seems to know. So I, I'm not going to go against that because the trends say it's true. But I am really actually concerned about facing Jackson Dart and uh, his receiving core. Yeah, I think Jackson Dart is a good quarterback. I don't know if he is like the game changer, you know, uh, top tier guy, but I think he's reliable. I think he makes plays uh, and he plays within the offense well. And Lane Kiffin can really scheme some stuff up and make things happen for him. So, um, you know, do I think Jackson Dart is a top 10 quarterback in college football? No, probably not. But do I think he's top 20? Sure. You know, I'd, I wouldn't mind having him on my team. Um, I think he'd be better than Kyle McCord was. So... <laughs> 
Ah, there I'm it is. There I'm it is. Uh, no, I'm just I, I'm just messing around. But um, but anyway, I, I think that Ole Miss has a really good offense. I think Ole Miss's defense is probably going to continue to struggle. So I think your thought about Penn State putting up some more points in this one uh, is going to come to fruition. And I think it's it's going to be a big bowl prep for Drew Aller. You know, he started throwing that deep ball a little bit more at the end of the season. Is he going to trust his receivers enough? Is he going to going to have enough time in the backfield to do that I think he will I don't think this Ole Miss defense is anything special uh, and I think they're going to have an interesting game plan trying to prep for a team that does not have their offensive coordinator or defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator so I'm actually going to pick Penn State to win this one 34 to 31 in a close one Zach what are some of your thoughts yeah you know as I was looking into this actually before I get fun fact do you guys know who the top three teams are in the ESPN FPI ratings? Mm-hmm. Isn't it I'm Penn pre- State, Michigan, and Ohio State? It is. Yeah. It is Michigan, yeah. Ohio State, Penn State, one, two, three. Um, a big reason why is the defi- defensive efficiencies. Yeah. And looking at Ole Miss, I think they're way down in the th- – I think they were 31 defensive efficiency. And their offensive efficiency isn't as high as I thought it would be. And I think looking at the stats, I agree. I think Dart has been good against okay defenses. Mm-hmm. But you, you, if you poke a bit, 10 points against Alabama, 17 points against Georgia, 17 points against Mississippi State, and particularly against Georgia and Mississippi State, I think he threw for like 110 yards and then 91 yards. So – Good defenses can can expose this rebel offense. And I know, you know, those two corners being out, you know, that's definitely not a good thing. But you know what? Penn State's pass rush did a good job against Ohio State without Chop Robinson. I think they have a couple of good pass rushers. I think it's Adisa Isaac is their other pass rusher. Yeah, he's playing. Yeah, he's playing. Yeah, and and – I think Penn State has shown they can score. I think similar to what you guys have said, Penn State has been able to score against lesser defenses. And I think Ole Miss is a lesser defense. And so I, my other X factor in this game is special teams. I think Daquan Hardy is the punt returner. They have yeah. a good kick game. So I, I think Penn State wins. I've got a closer, lower scoring game. I've got 23 to 17, but I think Penn State wins and covers. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think I, I could definitely see the defense coming out and playing really well, too, even without Manny Diaz. If they could have a good scheme put together, uh, the staff that Manny had uh, could do a really good job and, um, you know, really make something happen. So I would not be surprised to see a high scoring game. I would also not be surprised to see a low scoring game. I don't think it's going to be LSU versus Ole Miss, though. I don't think no, I saw that. both yeah. of the 40s uh, in this one. But who knows? We'll see what happens. It's bowl season. You know, yeah. a lot of things. Uh, one one note actually, if if Penn State wins this game, they'd be the first team to win all six New Year's Six Bowls, which I did not know. Really? But yeah, interesting. Yeah. Wow, I get yo yeah Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. that that's yeah, I, I didn't know that. Either. Someone brought it up a couple weeks ago. I had no idea. Yeah, I bet it was on Reddit at some point. They, <laughs> Probably tons of fun stats over there. <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on to Maryland versus Auburn. Maryland, uh, of course, is without Talia Tonkavailoa. That news came out earlier today. A lot of people in the transfer portal for 
uh, Maryland, not a bunch of huge names that I see, but they're tight end. Deitches is in there. He was obviously a big part of the offense, so that's going to be impactful for them. Not a ton of guys in the transfer portal for Auburn. Still a good amount, but um, you know they, they're still going to have Thorne and those type of guys uh, in there as well. So going to be an interesting one here. I'm not feeling so hot about Maryland in this one. I think it might be a hard one for Loxley and his crew. Zach, what are you thinking? I So this is the hardest game to pick because I agree with you about Maryland. I, I don't, I don't trust uh, Mike Loxley as far as I could throw him, um, but I don't trust Auburn. <laughs> like I don't trust Peyton Thorne. I don't trust any, you know, they, they almost beat Alabama, but then they let a fourth and 31 get by them. And it's like, I mean, you, it's just a comedy of errors. And and the mm. week before they lost to New Mexico state. So yeah. I, they feel, it feels like you're looking in a mirror with this, with these two teams, because I think there is talent on both teams, but I think they're both inconsistent, make weird mistakes at weird times. I think they're poorly coached uh, often. So I, I, I went with the big 10 team just because uh, <laughs> I, I don't really have much. I, I do think there's a chance. Ole, uh, it's not Ole Miss. We talked about Ole Miss. Auburn's corners, both their starting corners are NFL, NFL level corners. They are both opting out. So I do see a possibility for Maryland to maybe exploit them on the edges with Deshaun Jones and, and Prather and Felton. Uh, I think they're an underrated receiver group. Uh, curious to see how Cameron Edge or Billy Edwards, it seems like they're going to use both quarterbacks to replace mm-hmm. Tunga Vailoa. I, I wonder if using Billy Edwards in that running package could really open up some running lanes for Hemby and McDonald and Littleton. Um, but I feel like it's a coin flip because I think Auburn probably has a little bit more talent in the trenches. I, I'm going to go with Maryland 24 to 20 because. That's that's my best guess. <laughs> well, Alec, do you have a pick with any better reasons? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel the same. I, I I'm kind of like Zach. I feel like these two teams have been awfully similar the past few years. Um, obviously, uh, different ways of getting there. Auburn, a really big fall from grace, being the national champions, what, 12, 12 years ago, whenever that was. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it just does feel like... That was like, in Maryland. <laughs> yeah, no, that was not them. Um, but seems like both these programs can't get it figured out under a couple different coaching staffs uh, since then. But uh, Talia to me is that team. I, I have a hard time picking them when he's not on the field. Uh, I've made a lot of Auburn friends after having the home and home with them uh, the past two years. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with them here. I, I could see this game being really messy though, where there's not a lot of points, something like 20 or, you know, like, 2017 17 14 something along those lines i i could really say that because i i don't both these teams i think are gonna struggle to score but uh i'm I'm gonna go with auburn though whatever it whatever one of those small scores is just because but uh that that's just me 20 yeah that's something me being biased towards uh some of the friends i've made so yeah (laughs) 
There you go. I uh, I feel like I always have to pick against at least one Big Ten team. So, you know, Maryland, okay. sorry, you are the sacrificial lamb in this situation. Um, and, and I do have a good reason for it. I just, I feel like Hugh Freeze is a better coach. We saw what he did at Liberty with lesser talent. Uh, we saw, you know, he, I know he's, where was he at? Ole Miss. I know he was cheating, mm-hmm. but, you know, he still, he still made things happen there. So, um, I, I guess... We can talk about cheaters on this show, but we'll just talk about Ole Miss. Um, and so that was going on. Uh, relax. I was talking about Tennessee, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, and I also think that your point about the trenches, Zach, uh, is something that I'm going to look at as well. I think Auburn probably has better guys in the yeah. trenches, um, at least on the defensive line. I know Maryland's offensive line is better than I think people give them credit for, uh, but I do think that Auburn probably is going to win the battle on the line of scrimmage. And so for that, I'm going to take Auburn 28 to 21 in this game, just by a touchdown. But I think, I think Hugh Freeze will, will pull ahead with it. So any final thoughts on this game, guys? Nope. All right. Well, let's recap one of the very first bowl games and a bowl game of a future Big Ten team. We had UCLA face off against Boise State. Kind of a thriller. Boise State was up early in this one. And then UCLA came storming back and won it 35 to 22. So big win for UCLA. Uh, Ethan Garbers came in after starting the season. He ends the season with a really cool game. I, I, the the announcers were going crazy with it, and I just thought it was a really cool, really cool story um, of everything that encapsulated the season for them. Alec, what were some of your thoughts on this game? I, I was actually a little surprised by the outcome because I thought Boise looked really hot in their uh, conference championship game, and UCLA was going through the whole Dante Moore like Chip Kelly oh, fired then not fired thing, losing the defensive coordinator, but they came out with their end for two hundred and eighty yards. I think they had two thirty passing too. Like they put on a quite the show actually offensively so I was actually a little surprised by that because I thought Boise kind of turned a corner late in the year with the coaching change and seemed like they were on an upward trajectory while UCLA was kind of scuffling through all those coaching changes and the drama with more so I you know good for them good for the Big Ten I guess we're gonna uh, you know count this one on our tally but uh, I, I actually was a little surprised by the outcome I did think maybe Boise was gonna win this yeah, when we talked about this game before, Boise State had their starting quarterback going to be out, and I know that that was a big thing that I was harping on, and it turned out to be a big thing, not to disrespect the quarterback for Boise yeah. State, but he just, you know, Teller is obviously not the same guy that Green mm-hmm. was. Um, so obviously that that impacted them and hurt them. Uh, and UCLA, they still have a good defense, even with some guys opting out and guys in the portal. They still have a good defense, and they're still well-coached even without their defensive coordinator there. So uh, overall, I was impressed with the way UCLA came back. They would have been very easy for them to just lie down and die and Ethan Garbers to, you know, kind of just give in. But but no, he came back and he rallied the team. And, and I had a lot of fun watching this game. Zach, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point about the starting quarterback, UCLA was lucky that Boise didn't put this game away in the first half. Because, you know, they had four scoring drives, but they held them with three field goals in the red zone. And, you know, just the one touchdown. That game is 28-7 to seven or 24-7 to seven at half instead of 16-7. to seven. Like, it's, it, it's over. And instead, it's only 16-7. to seven, And UCLA takes over in the third quarter. I mean, credit, you know, TJ Harden, 
J. Michael Sturdivant made big plays. Obviously, Ethan Garbers, who you both mentioned, um, you know, really, really phenomenal second half by the Bruins. But the reality is, I think they are fortunate that they were not facing Boise State starting quarterback. Because I think if he, if he were playing, I think that game is probably over at half. Um, or at least it's a, you know, a desperate attempt to come back. Um, because to, to come back from three scores is pretty hard. So, but give credit to Chip Kelly. Give, uh, you know, I think Alec, you mentioned just the, the way they were able to persevere. Um, that's a big deal. And they're going to need to do that in the new Big Ten. So this was good practice for them. Um, so UCLA lucky, but they persevered, and, and there's credit there for that. Yeah, and I, I give credit for the persevering as well, uh, but I'm glad you mentioned the fact that they'll be in the new Big Ten, Zach, because they are one <laughs> of these teams that I'm kind of racking my brain on. Like, how are they going to really perform in the new Big Ten? Right. Like, how well are they actually going to be able to do? you have any thoughts on that, Zach? Yeah, it's hard because UCLA has been uh, uh, enigmatic is maybe the word I would use. Because I think their peak, they can compete with anybody. Like, I think there are there have been times where we've seen them compete with, I think they beat LSU a few years ago. And they, you know, they've they've been ranked in the top 10 at times. But then they almost have like Maryland type losses where you're like, oh, you could you could do well. You just lost to Northwestern. How did you do that? I think UCLA is similar. And Chip Kelly, as as great of an innovator as he was, you know, 15 years ago, I'm not sure he's the guy that like I don't think he's the same coach or I don't think he's adjusted. So I still think he's a good coach. And I think because he's in LA, I, I think he can probably still recruit a bit, but I think you're looking at a program that's that's probably going to stay around the level they've always been, which has been, you know, decent, seven and five, eight and four, six and six. You know, they'll they'll be like the number 10 team in the big 10 most years or like somewhere in there. And I think there'll be a couple years where they're in contention for the big 10, but I think overall, I think you're looking at a team that is a good foil for USC. But other than that is, you know, it's it they're, they're a middle of the pack team. Yeah. I, I think you hit on the head there. Uh, Alec, you agree middle of the pack team. What are some of your expectations? Yeah, I was gonna say like the the record you have down there that they finished with this year eight and five. Like I I think that's something to think about with them. Like if that's seven and five, win a bowl game, eight and four, lose a bowl game. Like I I think they'll be somewhere in there because of you know they still have some talent. Like Zach mentioned, being L.A. California recruiting is a little easier. They'll have enough talent, I think, to get you know at least six seven wins a season. It comes down to is, is it gonna be Chip Kelly? You know, kind of fighting them through this or someone else for the long haul um which you know maybe if it's someone else maybe that elevates their game eventually but i I do think they're out of the four teams joining from the pac 12 they're probably fourth for me uh you know close with usc with the the mess they're going through right now but i think they're fourth for me so you know between that and i'd put you know obviously ohio state michigan and penn state ahead of them and then iowa too and you know, with Wisconsin and Michigan State 
in kind of some upward trajectory real rebuilds. You know, then they are looking at eight or ninth best team in the Big Ten. And I think that's just now before you know we talked about Nebraska before someone like them could get going again, or if Purdue gets going under their new coaching staff and Illinois continues to you know fight for wins. So I I, I think right now you're, you're like eight or nine, and I I see it more likely to go backwards than forward. Yeah, and UCLA, I mean, they don't have the most forgiving schedule either. We just talked about USC, and I was like, I think I remember looking at UCLA. Um, this schedule is not great for them either because you have at Hawaii, very first game, then you have a bye, and then Indiana. So, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. they win that game, but you never know. We'll see what Kirk Signetti does. And then they also play LSU at LSU. Uh, so LSU is just playing the LA team That's for weird. next year, I guess. <laughs> what, is um, L- what is LSU doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's Ryan quite Kelly. the out-of-conference. Uh, right. And yeah. then they their last game of the season is Fresno State, which, I mean, that's not a bad Mountain mm-hmm. West team. Uh, and then Oregon at Penn State, Minnesota at Rutgers, at Nebraska, Iowa at Washington, and then USC. So they play all of the <laughs> uh, West Coast teams. I don't know why they play all of those. And then Penn State. So, I mean, that's, in my mind, five very losable games um you know and really six possibly uh if you include iowa in there as well now iowa um is at their place but um i don't know how much of that advantage that is i don't really see that many ucla fans at the game so maybe travel is an advantage i don't know um but but yeah i it, it doesn't look good for UCLA coming into the Big Ten either. I think that's a hard schedule, and they'll definitely have to pull at least one or two uh, sneaker games out to even be bowl eligible, in my mind. So, any thoughts on their schedule, guys? No, I, I just say, I, I this is this is outlandish for me to say, but Hawaii, like, like going to Hawaii, like <laughs> yeah. has traditionally been a trouble spot that you wouldn't think would be a trouble spot. Yeah. And like UCLA is not good enough to just show up and win a game. Yeah. Like they, they gotta, they gotta arrive. And so if they, if they're locked in, they'll win that game. But I don't know the, the idea. And then if Hawaii beats you, then do they beat you twice? You know, for that whole adage. Um, I mean, if Hawaii beats them, I'm picking Indiana to beat them too. Yeah. Yeah. I would. So, I mean, if you do that, that's, that's a nine loss season. So yeah, at yeah. least. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting with these uh, West coast teams coming in and facing the big 10 teams. Uh, not many know Ohio state and Michigan, but getting Penn state, that'll be an interesting game as well, but at Penn state. So you guys won't have to travel out to LA, uh, you know, that many times. Yeah. So. All right. Well, hey, thanks, guys, for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, We're going to have another episode tomorrow night of basketball. we got some fun stuff planned. We're going to preview a couple games and recap the Michigan game from tonight. Double overtime Michigan. That's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, They did lose, so a loss for the Big Ten. But it was was an interesting game until I got on here to, to do this. Uh, I was watching it, but and I'll I'll go back and rewatch the rest. And on top of that, we're going to be doing a basketball player draft. So everybody's going to be drafting their own basketball team. That's going to be fun to get oh. into as well. So, all right. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Alex, for coming on. Got Thanks it. For watching. Have a great night, everyone.